space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the Daggett Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? I am so fracking excited, I can't tell you. <laughs> you know, isn't that kind of jumping ahead to the revisioning version or... It was Felgacarb would probably be the right phrase to use, I would say. It's all science fiction. What's, what difference does it make? Come on. <laughs> well, folks, uh, if that's not enough of a hint for you, we are going to go off the reservation a bit this time and revisit uh, our halcyon years of, uh, I don't even know if that's the right phrase, but 70s and 80s old science fiction shows. But by golly, we're not doing it alone. We're dragging somebody else with us. That's right, folks. The gentleman with us today is a legend in his own mind. He is a, a bigwig over at the Two True Freaks Network. I think he sits on the board of directors. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, his name is Mr. Gene Hendricks. Woo! Yay! If you don't beady, know, beady, beady. Hi, guys. <laughs> if you don't know Gene, folks, uh, he does the Hammer Strikes blog, which, uh, as the phrase goes, it's the random musings of an average late 30s geek. At least it is for a little bit longer. He's going to have to change that title soon. Uh, he also does the Hammer Podcast, which is a fantastic podcast. I highly recommend you should check it out. It's part of the Two Freaks, ne- Two True Freaks Network. And uh, again, it's sort of a verbal version of the Random Musings, but uh, if nothing else, listen to it for the awesome opening theme of the Star Trek animated series. Love it. Which also- we will be covering today, I'm sure. <laughs> you might get mentioned. He also does the Quantum Cast, which while you're hoping is probably about Quantum Leap, sadly, no, it's about Marvel's Quasar. That's right. Cried off. Then he's also part of the Comic Book Fight Club podcast and Anime Freaks with uh, Dr. Bill. I didn't mean to mention him. Damn, that just came out. <laughs> but anyway, Gene, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, it is a pleasure to be here, especially since um, really this is all your fault. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't even know you, where you're going with it. But uh, you, got, you guys were the first geeky podcast I listened to, and I got the bug. Oh, wow. So thank you very much. We apologize to everyone that's had to suffer through, I mean, uh, listen to your stuff. Especially episode seven of my show. Uh-oh, which one? Oh, well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> well, um, tell you what, before we go much further, let's go ahead and do uh, an in-stock trades. So, uh, folks... The Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off, with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Let's go ahead and start with you, Rob. What you got? 
I have a classic, classic Space 1999 soft cover, Everything That Was, which collects various uh, comic book adaptations from Space 1999, some of the Charlton comics, some British annuals, and some unpublished stuff uh, featuring an amazing cover by Gray Morrow. I mean, this cover is unbelievable. In fact, I'm pretty sure that the rest of the comics inside can't live up to this cover. <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The co- I would almost buy this book just for this cover. Uh, it is 304 pages. Normal price is twenty four ninety five, and stock trades price is seventeen dollars and forty six cents. I'm a huge fan of Gray Morrow. We've talked about him on both Fire and Water and Huso. Um, and maybe this is one of the things where, like, I was never a big fan of Space Nineteen Nine, the show, but maybe the comics are better. I don't know. I've read a couple of Space Nineteen Nine comics, and they're not too bad. And I like the Power Records, but this cover, man, just go to Insect Trades and take a look at it. It's just a thing of beauty. So. Give that a shot. Normal, I said, seventeen dollars and forty-six cents for three hundred and four pages of outer spacey goodness. Now, who originally published those? Do we know? Well, it's a collect. It's it's from all over the place. Because thanks for listening. Um, it's uh, <laughs> some of the Charltons. Oh, oh, you did say that, didn't I, you? <laughs> yeah, I, and along with uh, some British comics that they did for Space 99, plus some unpublished stuff. So it's this real weird collection of various people that did Space 1999 comics. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I, I, I've got Doctor Who Forgotten trade paperback. And this one, folks, is a, it starts off as a David Tennant story with Martha. However, what he does is he gets stranded in this museum, and he loses his memory. And the rest of the story are little vignettes of each of the nine doctors prior to him as he begins to get his memory back. And so there's all these artifacts, because the museum is dedicated to him. So he comes across artifacts of friends, like, oh, this, and suddenly he'll remember something about the first doctor. So I thought it would be nice in keeping with classic science fiction, you get little vignettes of all the little doctors. It's very fantastic. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones that they produced. It was back when IDW had the license. Tony Lee wrote it, uh, a variety of artists, 144 pages, full color. Normally goes for $19.99. You can get it right now for 30% off and get it for $13.99. Now, Gene, you're the guest, so I didn't expect you to bring anything, uh, so I, I'm assuming you probably didn't bring it in stock trades? Oh, no, actually, I did bring in in-stock trades. Wow. I know how this show works. Look at that. Suck it, Bailey. Go ahead. <laughs> I brought Star Trek Debt of Honor. This is published by DC Comics and written by Mr. Clis- Chris Claremont with art by Adam Hughes and Carl Story. It is. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? It, it, it is amazing. I actually own this, and it it is... It, it covers Captain Kirk's entire career, mainly in flashback. The main story is set just after Star Trek IV, but it goes all the way back to his midshipman days and then when he served on the Enterprise and involves a lot, a lot of characters that you'll remember, including the Klingon Corps, played by John Colicos in the original Star Trek. Now, this was originally priced at fourteen ninety five. But at In Stock Trades, you can get it for 42% off or $8.67. And it is well worth every penny. Based on Claremont's writing, that's like half a penny a word. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's dirt cheap. All right, less than that, actually. I mean, that's, that's dirt cheap. Yeah, it, wow. it's really good. Very it has, cool. a, has an appearance for uh, Dr. Jillian Taylor, which is one of the things I loved about it at the time. Because I loved that character, and I was glad to see her continue past the movie. So you've read this? Yeah. Was it was that was it a separate tri- miniseries? Or it was, was a graphic novel. It was like a yeah, graphic it's a, novel. It's its right? own graphic oh, okay. novel. Yep. Yeah. Because I was reading DC's monthly book, 
Yeah, um, it's it's not connected with the, the monthly book at all. It's its own okay. standalone. Cool. Okay. Well, folks, again, check all those out uh, at InStockTrades.com, and we sincerely appreciate their support of the Fire and Water podcast. And, uh, again, uh, free shipping for orders of up to $50 or more and up to 42% off, InStockTrades.com. All right. Woo! Well, with all that out of the way, now we're going to talk about some classic, classic science fiction television shows, stuff that we grew up on, stuff that we had a, as a passion for um, as kids, right? So oh, how should, yeah. How should we do this? Do we just uh, – Rob, you're the oldest. Do you want to lead us through the 70s? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me just get out the old Victrola here. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, we're just going to mention a bunch of shows that were sci-fi shows from the 70s, and, you know, this is not a complete list by any stretch of the imagination. We're using IMDb here as most as our resource, and a lot of that stuff is written by crazy people, but we're going to do the best we can. Uh, the first show on this list is, and I don't even know how these are organized, because it's not by year. I think they got voted. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, good. oh, so the insane people of IMDb voted. Wonderful. Okay, so we're going to start. With 1975's Space 1999, which, of course, starred Martin Landau, Bela Lugosi himself, Barbara Bain, Nick Tate, and Zienna Merton. Uh, does anybody remember the show? Did any of you guys watch this? I did not watch it growing up. I'm watching it now just because I'm try- I, getting into more of the, uh, the classic TV shows. But I, I wasn't even aware of this growing up. I, I wasn't aware of it growing up. I, I became aware of it in reruns. I've seen half an episode. Couldn't stay awake. Uh, but it's a badass toy. Man. <laughs> the eagle? Yeah. That's about my uh, experience with it. Yeah, for me, this was one of those. I watched it a little as a kid, and I just remember it being very dull and very gray. And I think once – I probably caught it after Star Wars came out, and I was just like, anything went out of space, I'm going to watch. But it, it could not live up to Star Wars' excitement. This is one of the things where the ancillary stuff is way more exciting. Like I just mentioned the uh, the um, comic and the in-stock trades ad, Chag, that's going to come as news to you. And uh, <laughs> See, you're not even listening to the jokes I'm making now. <laughs> I am too. Jeez. I was playing along. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Uh, and the Power Records, they did a bunch of Power Records of the Space 99, and those are really good. Those are a lot of fun. So uh, this is the kind of thing where I think the, 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 the merchandising ends up being probably more exciting than the show itself. Although the show does have its cadre of fans. I mean, it's still – Oh, yeah. I think it's I'm on sure. DVD and stuff. So it, it's obviously got uh, – people still remember it fondly. I imagine we're going to get some hate, hate mail for starting the show off with a show that none of us really can talk much about. <laughs> but has huge fan following. So. Well, so we're a slave to IMDb here. What can we do? There we go. In fact, some of these I think we can blow through pretty fast. Yeah. The next one up here is Doomwatch. I have no memory of this at all. From starts started in 1970, started John Paul, whoever that is, Joby Blanchard, Simon Oates, and Vivian Sherrod. This is I think this was a British show. Next. Uh, okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean if, we, if none of us have heard of it, I say we just keep okay. going. Yeah, keep uh, going. Next up, Phoenix Five. Anybody have any idea what that is? Nope. Nope. It stars somebody named Patsy Trench, which sounds like a porn name if I ever heard one. But <laughs> Star Trek, the animated series. I believe that's something we've all heard of. Yes. And that is something that I have a love for, even though a lot of people try to disregard it. Really? Yeah. How, what, it has the original actors. I, it has the original actors. It has a huge amount of the original writers. And it 
built on stories from the original series. It's the got filmation, it's got filmation music too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I have a, I have a big love for that music, as I'm sure anyone that listens to my show realizes. But yeah. what I like about the animated series is they were able to do stuff with it that they could not do due to budget due to budgetary constraints on the regular show, because. It's animated. You could have an alien that had a third arm growing out of his chest as the navigator. Mm-hmm. And they, even though it was called the rec room, they had the holodeck first. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. It was in the episode called The Practical Joker. And Uhura, Sulu, and McCoy go onto the rec deck and decide, oh, well, we want to be in a forest. So they program it, and bang, there's a forest. Very cool. Now, here's something you may or may not know. Do you happen to read Peter David's uh, Star Trek New Frontier books? I do not, know. Two of the characters from the Star Trek animated series get caught in a time warp and end up in the 24th century and are on the crew of one of his ships in his books. Eric's and Mores, by any chance? That's exactly who it is. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed that. <laughs> they actually showed up in the DC Comics series in... Uh, the Monster Maroon uniforms. That huh. it was Star Trek number forty-one. I want to say. Okay. Well, that that he brought him over to uh, the the books. Yeah. So how oh. funny. I just met him this weekend, actually. Very cool. Very nice guy. He autographed some Aquaman comics for me. Sometimes he is very nice. <laughs> is it true the story that I've heard that that uh, the filmation didn't want to pay? To, to get the, the sort of secondary actors, and Leonard Nimoy said he wouldn't do it unless they got George Takei and the rest. I've heard that story. Hmm. Uh, Shatner didn't care, but that's one of the things where... <laughs> that's, see, that's the thing. It's, it's so easy to bash Shatner because who wouldn't believe it? So right. I never know whether those stories are true or not, whether it's just, I, you know... I, I have not heard that, so I can't comment on it. Okay. Uh, I, I do know that... Walter Koenig was not involved because he wanted to try his hand at writing instead of acting. And he actually had a script for one of the episodes. I don't remember which one. Hmm. But he wrote one of the animated series episodes. Now, was, hmm. Rodden, was Roddenberry involved with the animated series? Yes. Okay. And yeah. DC Fontana as well. Okay. I think I knew that part. I couldn't remember Roddenberry, though. Yeah, when I was a kid, I watched – I mean, I always considered Star Trek, the original Star Trek, a 70s show because that's when I discovered it. I wasn't alive in the 60s, so it was the 70s when I first saw it. And I don't remember drawing any distinction between the animated show and the and the live-action show. As a kid, I don't think you do. You're just like, hey, it's all Star Trek. I don't right. care. So I loved it. I remember you know, enjoying the heck out of it because I loved the original show so much. I mean, I'm sitting here right now with the filmation incidental music, like with the action fight scene music in my head going on right now, or, you know, <laughs> or when there are scenes where they're running, that kind of doo doo doo. Just oh, I love those. I love the music in the filmation cartoons. I have a very, I have very fond memories of watching. And I go, and and you know, again, we're talking about the Star Trek '60s show, but I discovered it in the '70s, like I said. I I used to watch it every Saturday with my dad. Because my mom would work on weekends, and so my dad and I would get pizza and watch Star Trek, and that was like some of my favorite times with him. Because it was like he was into the, like he had a, an interest in science fiction. My mom was like, "That's just ridiculous. That's the future. That's ridiculous. That's stupid." But uh, so she, had, she had no, yeah, you can't sit anything five minutes in the future. My mother just disregards it. But my dad and I would watch Star Trek, and that was like that was you know I was literally one of those kids that you know 
didn't watch the show as, when it was aired because I wasn't around, and then discovered it in syndication, and that was that's what started it all again was the, the those cheap Star Trek syndication packages that uh, that CBS put together or NBC put together for the show. So um, between this and the animated show, man, I was just I was like just a huge Trek guy, it's not as much as Star Wars, but I but I did love it. Did I ever tell you how I discovered Star Trek? It was uh it was like 1979, 1980, and um, my dad my dad managed television stations. And so he got to – he had a bit of a say in what programming they ran and syndicated type stuff. So he made sure his station had Star Trek and syndication. Anyway, one day yeah, – it's like a Saturday or something. And now, this is not what my dad sounds like, but this is what he sounds like in my stories. He goes, boy, get in here. <laughs> Sit down. Walk. Your dad was Mr. T. Okay. Right, yeah. Your Walk. dad was a fat southern sheriff apparently. Can I, <laughs> can I finish? <laughs> boy, sit down. Watch this. This is important. <laughs> I said, okay, Dad. Sat down. It was the Star Trek Arena episode with the Gorn. Oh, uh, one of my favorites. <laughs> and it was. I was from then on. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> you got me. So I love your dad in those two James Bond movies from the 70s. And those <laughs> did particularly well in those films. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, next. next, next on the list is the Star Lost, another British TV series. It starred Cure Delay, who was in 2001: A Space Odyssey. So. He has some sci-fi bona fides, but uh, I think this was another British show. I have no no memory of it at all. I'll take the next one. Okay. <laughs> the the Tomorrow t- People. Tomorrow People. 1973 to rain several seasons. I, ha- I discovered this in the 80s, but on Nickelodeon, and watched the living mess out of this show. I loved it. Robbie Amell I- is a lot older than you think. What's that? Robbie Amell is a lot older than you think. I know. He looks young <laughs> at his age. But uh, it's, so the story is about these guys. They're, they're sort of like X-Men mutants kind of concept. They're the next evolution of the human race. And there's only a few of them. And they have abilities. They have like telepathic abilities. They can uh, teleport. Uh, but they call it jaunt. It's like whenever they, whenever they teleport, they actually say the word jaunt. And they would disappear in one place or <laughs> another. They had a super intelligent computer named Tim. It was a. It was. A, I mean, I've, I've watched some of it on YouTube not too long ago. I was trying to show my stepson what it was like, and it looks bad. But I love the heck out of it. Just every minute of it. So, you guys ever see it? I've never seen no. it. No. The opening credits. I always remember it had this hand, and it was like um, several still photos of a hand, but sort of like almost animating it, like you know, slowly kind of thing. A hand opening, and then it was supposed to be like a third eye opening. Was kind of the idea behind it. I know. Anyway, just a. Really fun. If you really, if you like old seventies British sci-fi stuff, this is a great one. Uh, next is Planet of the Apes, dun, dun, dun. the TV series starring Roddy McDowell. Of course, it did because anything with an ape, Roddy McDowell was involved. Ron Harper, James <laughs> Naughton, and Mark Lennard from Star Trek. So he is just, he is a uh, franchise hopping left and right. I did not watch the show when it aired because again, I was too young and it didn't last long. I I found it much later. I'm a huge apes fan. Of the movies and of the cartoon series, which we'll get to in a moment, and the later series. So I went and found these like on DVD or VHS or something, and it is not a great show. <gasps> uh, it, it really ah. isn't. It's The Fugitive. It's basically The Fugitive with apes. Uh, but nevertheless, I still love it because it's more Planet of the Apes, and I love the Planet of the Apes. So anytime they want to go back to the, that planet, I'm, I'm willing to go. Yeah, I remember watching this. It was on TV, but I... I obviously didn't catch it first run because I wasn't born yet, but I remember it was rebroadcast at some point because I used to watch this whenever it was on. And I can, I can tell you when. You go ahead. I'll tell you when. Okay. I was just going to say, it's uh, as a kid, I never 
had a problem with connecting this to the movies, even though in the movies humans can't speak, but in this humans could speak and they actually had homes and it, it was a lot. It was like Battlestar Galactica, but without the ships. It was just so, oh, and we ran across another human civilization. <laughs> Ragtag fugitive humans. Yes. Um, I know exactly when you saw it. Well, I don't know exactly, but I have a pretty good guess. Probably okay. you as well, Rob. TBS used to run apes marathons, like over the course of a week or two. And they'd show a Planet of the Apes movie every day or every night or something like that. And the way they did it was they'd showed, you know, Planet of the Apes, uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Conquest. Oh, God, I'm getting them wrong, aren't I? No, it's uh, con- there's there's conquest. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's battle four, right? and there's been there's Planet of the Apes. There's five. Yeah, five there's five. Okay. There's, there's Planet so, of the Apes, Beneath Planet of the Apes, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, that's a Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Okay. So what they do is they show all five of those and then the sixth one they would show was like two of these episodes strung together. And they would so I saw quite a few of them strung together as like a little mini movies where they'd string two episodes together. And I didn't know they were movies. You know, at first, I was like, oh, well, that's weird. It has, like, half a story. You know, they're just kind of telling one story in the first half of the movie and a different story in the second half of the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, you see, I, I remember it as a series, as episodes. I want to uh, say it was on either Channel 11 or Channel 9 out of New York. Say that's meaningless to me, but okay. Yeah. I, see what you mean. Okay. <laughs> I know so, what he's uh, talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you damn Yankees. But uh, th- so, yeah, I, that's how I got exposed to it was TBS. Bless you, TBS, for helping me through my childhood. So. <laughs> Good stuff. Loved it. Absolutely loved all that ape stuff. Uh, I went apes for it. Next up is uh, (laughs) (laughs) the Six Million Dollar Man, a show pretty much anybody is familiar with. Uh, Lee Majors and Richard Anderson and Lindsay Wagner, of course. Uh, I did not – I don't remember being that big of a fan of this. I don't know why. Maybe just because – I don't know. It seemed like something I would have enjoyed as a kid. And I had the Bigfoot doll. Mm-hmm. With the little chest thing that popped off and stuff, but I don't know. I don't remember really watching this show. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I believe it or not, I watched the Bionic Woman, but I didn't I, watch the I, Six Million Dollar Man. I totally believe that. You realize how young I was at the time, right? I'm just saying, <laughs> not, and I I totally do knowing. Yeah, I mean, when when I think Lee Majors, I think the Fall Guy more <laughs> than the Six Million Dollar Man. How we got hurt? Like, come on. <laughs> I loved the hell out of this show. Um, like when the Sasquatch would come on, like I'd be so freaking excited. I would lose my friggin' mind. I mean, it just went nuts. I didn't have any of the toys or any of that, but just it was so exciting. I loved this show so very much. He was running around the house doing the whole I'm doing it right now. Like I'm running. And um, got really jazzed on. I remember the. The thing, I guess it's at Universal Studios in in, in California. The spinning tube that um, was part of the set tour. Where I think, and, and anyway, it looks like you're walking through a spinning cave. Anyway, it was in one of the episodes, and I remember knowing that that had been redressed from Universal Studios or whatever to look like a cave. Uh, anyway, just, it was a great show. Oscar was just like a total badass. I when I was a kid, I wanted to, Oscar to be my boss when I grew up. Um, loved the show so much. This is another one of those things that did really well as merchandising because, like, Power Records put out, like, half a dozen $6 million man records. I had no idea he was that big of a star until I re-brought re- back the, the Power Records blog that I do. And, like, $6 million man got his own Christmas record. <laughs> I mean, like, Superman didn't get his own Christmas record. 
you know, I mean, he was really big. And another fun fact about the Six Million Dollar Man slash Bionic, you cannot copyright the word Bionic. So uh, a rival toy company, Kenner had the Six Million Dollar Man license, which is why they made the doll. But another, but Mego came out with a villain for the Bionic Man, and they could call it Bionic because you can't copyright that word. So they were like, "Hey, kids, play with this as the villain against this other company's character on the uh, this other character's other toy company's doll." Wow! Huh. Yeah. And because the Six Million Dollar Man is based on a book called uh, Cyborg, so right, that's like there's some separate rights thing tied up, which is why there has been a Bionic Woman reboot, but never a $6 million man reboot. Well, they keep working on it. At one point, uh, Jim Carrey was tapped right. for it. Thank goodness yeah. that didn't happen. Last oh, I man. heard, Mark Wahlberg's been tapped for it. Which, if Mark Wahlberg plays it straight, that'd be pretty cool. I like Mark Wahlberg. Except when he says, I think it's a Transformer! Other than that, <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, now, I gotta tell you, Rob, the um, I accidentally listened to your Power Records episode with $6 million man. And the guy who does the voice for Lee Majors on that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think had... I'm pretty sure that was George W. Bush. I'm positive. <laughs> and by the way, you said you were kind of surprised at how big the the that franchise was. Take a step back from it, step, step back from it, and realize Lee Majors married Farrah Fawcett. That's how big this franchise had to have been for that to happen. Yeah, they they were definitely the Brad and Angelina of their time. Oh, big yeah, power absolutely. Couple. Still uh, a good show, by the way, if you can catch it in reruns. Next. Okay. Uh, far Next. out, far out, space nuts, starring Bob Denver and Chuck McCann. This was a Saturday morning series. I have the phrase "I said lunch, not launch" embedded into my brain from the space nuts. I don't remember anything else from it, but that phrase has never left my brain. This thing was it all puppets? No, it was live action. It was Bob Denver from Gilligan's Island and Chuck McCann, the comedian. And they were guys that were accidentally sent into space because Bob Denver accidentally presses the launch button when it was Chuck McCann who wanted his lunch. See? You get it? Was this the precursor to Gilligan's Planet? Well, I mean, it's a... It was, no, that was Gilligan's Island. Yeah, that was Gilligan's Island. It was a Sid and Marty Croft show. Oh, yeah. And I watched all the Sid and Marty Croft stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I don't have any memory of it beyond that one t- phrase, but I know I watched it. So. Wow. Okay. <laughs> no memory of this gene none at all wow all right that Nothing. picture on imdb is rather disturbing though. i know it's all right me. yeah i'm uh, excited about the next one though i've never seen com- it but i am excited about yeah this one. well that were, there was a companion <laughs> the companion show because it was also from sid marty Croft, the lost saucer with jim neighbors and ruth yes! buzzy <laughs> jim neighbors and ruth buzzy oh what wow. a combination that had to be like the best show ever <laughs> It almost looks like Ruth Buzzy and Jim Neighbors are wrestling or something. Yeah, like they're wrestling. Like he wants to push the button, but she doesn't want him to push the button. I just I keep hearing his voice in my head being like, you know, the spaceship's going to crash. <laughs> and their name is Fi and Fum. Oh my gosh! I love Sid and Marty Croft. Really we might do. have to find this. <laughs> I see another commentary episode in our future. Right. <laughs> uh, next up is Return to the Planet of the Apes, which is the animated series, uh, which was – I know I must have watched this. I don't have a lot of memory of it, but I know I must have watched it because I just watched everything on Saturday morning, and I was an Apes fan, so I must have watched this. I caught it many years later on DVD, and it's 
it, the stories are pretty, eh, but it's fun to look at. I mean, yeah. they because like you said, Gene, about the um, Star Trek show, they had a budget; they could do whatever they wanted with the animation. So the apes all of a sudden had like flying so like ships, and there was they much more. Tanks. Yeah, they had a lot more stuff to their arsenal because you know you could just draw it, uh, have a bunch of Korean slaves draw it, as opposed to having to build oh my it. God. So. <laughs> and actually, this this was done by I believe Frizz Freeling's animation house. Okay. Uh, so it, it's interesting. You watch the credits. I was like, wait a second. This isn't Looney Tunes. What's going on? Was, was this another filmation production though? No, no, not no, filmation. It was not yeah. Filmation. Oh, okay. It, the animation style looks filmation. That's the box was making me think that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's and the movements that they do. It's a lot of repetitive animation. But like, anytime the apes are going across in jeeps or anything, it's just it's like the old '60s Marvel cartoons is just a picture of a jeep that slides across the, the camera <laughs> all right fair enough it, it's it's interesting to to watch you cannot sync it up with the apes movies though it just it does no not work. yeah it's, it's its own yeah they completely abandon all that huh I've, I've never even seen it so it's fun stuff it's fun. if you're said if you're an apes fan it's like a you know you really have to watch it because you, you want to have a complete picture of all the various ape stuff going on back then uh and then arc two Woo! Which was yeah, which was an American TV show. I never watched Arc Two. Did you guys <gasps> watch this? I, yeah, I, I didn't either. I, I did. Okay. I, I absolutely. Then talk did. about it. <laughs> it's it, okay. So it's like a, if I remember right, it's like a post-apocalyptic kind of world. The world's been just trashed, and it's about these teenagers and kids riding around in a souped-up RV. I mean, this is during the age when, like, RVs were, like, hot shit. I mean, whoops, sorry. We're really popular in the 70s. And so they load up these kids in a, in a, in a chimpanzee in, in a fancy RV, and they just drive around in the desert kind of scenery. I don't remember the stories at all. All I remember is just the ridiculousness and thinking that that RV was totally fly and that I wanted to have that RV. Did they ever cross over with Shazam driving by in their RV? Probably. I'm sure they did, Yeah. <laughs> They might have just redressed the same RV. Just take that giant lightning bolt applique off the front. And exactly. There, now it's the Arc 2. There you go. We're done. <laughs> uh, next up is The Bionic Woman from 1976. Uh, much like Six Million Dollar Man. I didn't really watch this too much. This one we I did watch. I remember this is one of the shows that we would sit down as a family and watch. Don't ask me why, but... I, I think my mom enjoyed it, but then again, my mom's the one that introduced me to Star Trek, so she loves sci-fi. And it, I I just remember watching this as a kid, and I enjoyed it. I haven't watched it since, though. It's kind of amazing how much things can lodge themselves into pop culture. This show was only on for two years, hmm. and yet it's still very it's still famous today. I mean, like, Lindsay Wagner is still known as that, and... You know, like they obviously felt the name was popular enough to do the reboot. I mean, it's that's it's kind of amazing. It did not have a long run. Two seasons is nothing. But it really, though, it's just built off of Six Million Dollar Man. Though I mean, you kind of add whatever years the Six Million Dollar Man had, and that's how long it was in the public public consciousness. You that's know? true. And there weren't a lot of strong female role models in this. I mean, there were some. I'm not saying there weren't any, but on television, there weren't a lot of female led shows. And so right. this was kind of a big deal in that way. I, I watched some of this, not a lot. Most of it, though, to me, sort of like what you said about Star Trek Animated and Star Trek Live Action, Bionic Man and Bionic Woman were sort of indistinguishable to me. Because part of it was because of the supporting cast. We had Oscar and Dr. Rudy Wells on both shows. So, it's, you know, they sort of 
blended quite a bit. In fact, you guys talked about it on that Power Records I accidentally listened to, where um, it's very unusual where you get actors to show up in a shared universe across networks. Because Bionic Woman and Six Million Dollar Man were on different networks. Mm. And kind of wondering if we're going to get that vibe with the whole Flash and Arrow with Supergirl being on a different network, except they're in a shared universe. So will we get, I don't know, you know, Professor Stein on the Supergirl show or something like that. So One can only hope. Maybe Dr. Rudy Wells will show up on the Supergirl show. I don't know. If that article yeah. about Greg Berlani is any indication, mm. I think we are going to get it. I mean, they're already crossing over in magazine spreads. So That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, next up is Future Cop. Never saw it, but this cast, man, Ernest Borgnine <laughs> and John Amos. A veteran patrol officer gets an android for a partner. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Ernest Borgnine in the '70s as a as a future veteran cop. I think yeah. that'd be great. I, this is, I really do want to dig this up. This oh is yeah, probably very funny. I mean, just that idea. It only ran for one season, not a su- surprise, and only six episodes. The name of his character is Joe Cleaver, which I really like. So That's really badass. Yeah, I got to find that. Uh, there's another. Next is a British TV show, British German TV show, Star Maidens. Next. Which, well, now hold on. <laughs> I've never seen it. I have no idea what it is, but I bet it has a bunch of like really attractive British girls in like Star Trekky and short skirts. So it's probably like a lot of fun. Um, there aren't a lot of attractive British. Never mind. Go ahead. Oh next. my goodness. Oh wow. <laughs> oh, it's Leyland, who doesn't listen to our show, is probably serious now. <laughs> uh, 1977's The Fantastic Journey. Jared Martin, Carl Franklin, Ike Eisenman. No idea. Never heard of this. No. I've heard of this. Not a clue. But I can't remember it. Okay. It sounds like a fun premise. A scientific expedition in the Atlantic Ocean becomes lost in the Bermuda Triangle and washes up on an uncharted island. Oh, it had Roddy McDowell on it. Of course it did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like fun. It sounds like it's got like a Jules Verne kind of thing to it. But yeah, I've never heard of it. Uh, now we're on to Logan's Run, the TV series based on the movie starring Gregory Harrison from Trevor John M.D. Uh, I never watched this. I saw the movie, but I never watched the show. Same here. Yeah. I I think I was, again, too young for it, and it just kind of went right by me. Well, look at the year. It came yeah. out. We were all thinking about something else at this point. <laughs> yeah. 1977. I yeah. I have no memory of this at all. Uh, 1990 is the name of the series. Drama set in a nightmarish 1984-style future where government bureaucracy has run riot. <laughs> that is science fiction. Uh, it's from 1970. <laughs> from 1977, starts Edward Woodward, the Equalizer. So I guess it was a British thing. Again, another yeah. one. I don't remember it. Next. This is making for a scintillating episode so far. I was just saying next <laughs> after every show. Keep, keep, go next again. Just go, keep, okay. go to 27. <laughs> Quark. Starring Richard Benjamin. That was a Gene Roddenberry show, wasn't it? Wasn't really? Quark? Wasn't, wasn't that one of his shows? No, no. Th- it's a uh, it's a comedy. Okay, well, it, it could have been. I, it's a British space comedy, from what I understand. Really? Okay. I've yeah. Heard, I've heard of it, but that's Yeah, I've heard of it. Of it. Yeah. Okay. Next, 1977, Space Academy. Starring Jonathan Harris, which is from, uh, what's this, from Lost in Space, I guess. Do you remember yeah. this show? Dr. Dr. Smith. Yeah, Dr. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I remember Doctor Smith and I remember the robot. That's about the extent of it. Oh, and then the the Asian kid too. I remember him too. <laughs> I, sorry. Anyway, I remember watching this, but I can't remember a damn thing about it. The John, only thing I know about this show is the fact that they used the same models and everything for Jason of Star Command. No way. Yeah. Oh, how funny. <laughs> 
Jonathan Harris's character is Commander Gompu. <laughs> well, sure he is. <laughs> I think at some point the writers are just like, oh, th- that's fine, Gompu. Is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just smash the keyboard and that's his name. <laughs> they just throw some Scrabble tiles on the floor. This there is for, it is. This is for kids. They don't, they don't know the difference. Uh, okay, next up, Battlestar Galactica. Finally, oh, one yeah. we actually watched. I'm pretty next. sure all th- Oh, please. I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah I think this you is one that all three of us watched, right? I yes. mean, I certainly did. I Heck, I even it. had a, a little uh, Muffet toy. That yes. I used. It was the only Battlestar Galactica toy I had, so that ended up pl- – I played with that with my Star Wars figures. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dag it. I had an Oveon that, that <laughs> looked kind of like mole, pe- mole creature kind of guy with the big eyes. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. I, yeah. I ins- think I even – the insectoid guy with like the net clothing? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think I yep. even had the Gold Centurion, which you had to send in proof of purchases for. <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. I didn't have any of the action figures, but yeah. man, I watched the crap out of this show. Like, Gun and Ice Planet Zero was, like, mm-hmm. legendary in my mind. And I didn't get to rewatch it until the 90s. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I can't believe I'm going this. I like your little lisp. That correct? I love this show. I mean, the special effects were so amazing. I mean, well, yeah. know, they, they basically looked and said, okay, we can do Star Trek, Star Wars-level special effects on TV. And it bankrupted them, practically. But it well, was, yeah. Didn't they get John Dykstra to come over and do a lot of the motion control stuff? Oh, I don't know. From, from ILM for this? Maybe. Yeah, that, I, I think that's right. I thought I've heard that. But uh, there is an absolutely horrendous movie from 1983 called Space Mutiny. Which, which recycles footage from Battlestar Galactica. Like, there's actual... Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it stars Red Brown. Oh, jeez. played Captain America, which is why I constantly refer to him as a hunk of wood. Because <laughs> as bad as he is in Captain America, he is Chris Evans when you compare him to how he is in Space Mutiny. So, uh, but but it was, it's so confusing to see the actual Battlestar Galactica ships flying around in that movie. You're like, wait a minute, what... What am I looking at here? Yeah, they they did Space Mutiny on Mystery Science mm-hmm, Theater. Mm-hmm. If you're going to watch that movie, watch the watch MST Mystery Science out. Theater. Yeah, it is hysterical. It is such a bad movie. There's a character killed off in that movie, and then he, then she shows up in the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. And and Mike and the bots notice it. They're like, "Wait a minute, she's dead. What happened?" <laughs> is it, is that the one that the commander of the ship is Santa Claus? Yes, yeah, because he's got yes. the big white beard. Yeah, yeah, they keep calling him Commander Santa Claus and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it is such a bad movie. But, yeah, but yeah, I, I forget the name of the Battlestar ships now, what, what they the were called. Vipers and Vipers. Yeah, and that's Cylon right, Vipers and, yeah, 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 yeah. Did, was, you, did you not watch the remake in 2005? I, just, I did, I just forgot oh, okay. what the name of those things were. I watched the crap out of that show. Yeah, that's, I guess good. that's for another episode. So finally, yeah. one that we all watched. Battlestar I'm going to take this opportunity to sort of stray for a second. You talk about recycling um, footage. There was a movie I loved. I used to watch on HBO all the time from the 70s called Battle Beyond the Stars. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. yeah. And they reused all the ships in another movie, which I can't remember the name of it. But it was just it blew my mind when I watched this other movie. And I'm like, but, 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 but. In fact, I think they took the footage of one of the ships and flipped it upside down. <laughs> And so, like, it still worked. It's like, oh, that's a, a sort of look like a different design, but it was the same footage. I mean, it was just nuts seeing the same stuff used again. But hmm. Galactica was great. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. and still is entertaining to watch. Next up is Blake Seven, which was a British TV show. This one has a fa- fan following. I'd never yes. seen it, but I know that people uh, today, to, to this day, still enjoy it. 
Well, it's an, it's an interesting show. I've seen a few episodes, um, and I didn't watch it until the 80s. But, I mean, it's, it's these guys who are on the run, basically, and, and they're fighting a war against the government. It's, I mean, it, I was trying to figure out a, an analogy, but skip it. Um, it was an entertaining show. It always felt like the odds were against them. And um, some really bad things happen to some of the characters on the show. And, in fact, it's back to some extent now. The same people that do the Doctor Who audio dramas are doing Blake 7 audio dramas. Oh, wow. wow. So we've got some of the original Like Paul Darrow is sort of world famous in the British science fiction annals as, as because of this show. He's like a legendary. It's worth looking up. Right. You should next, be on PBS. <laughs> uh, next is Jason of Star Command, which Woo! I'm betting every one of us will. I watch it because, it, it, A, was Saturday mornings. Yep, and you know it was at the end of the cartoon run, so I'm like, well, this is still. And plus, it had Scotty on it. I like. The I, bad... I've actually never seen this. Oh, really? Yeah. That bad guy's eyepiece scared the crap out of me. You can see it in the background of the picture. Mm-hmm. Jason, he, that guy, I was scared of that dude. The funny thing about that is that's Sid Haig is the name of that actor uh-huh. who was basically like a guy that started tons of like real disreputable genre stuff. Like he's a <laughs> completely bizarre person to put in a kids show. <laughs> How interesting. Yeah. I, you know, the funny part is I don't remember Scotty being in it. I don't oh, remember really? it at all. Oh. Yeah. I remember the main kid, Jason, and I remember the bad guy. That's it, though. So didn't one of y'all just say that they reused the special effects yeah. from this? Yeah, part? well, they, they reused the models. If you look at Space Academy, the actual physical model of Space Academy, that was where Star Command was based in Jason Star Command. How funny. They, they owned it. What the hell? Sure, right. Yeah. Repurpose it. Why not? How, how many seasons did that one last? One, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. No, two seasons, it says. Two seasons. Was it two? 20, okay. 28 episodes, so I didn't do too bad. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I loved it because it just it's, it extended my Saturday mornings all the way until, like, 1 o'clock. You know, yeah. and just cartoons, and I was like, oh, wow, this is still – and then, then the sports kicked in, and I was like, well, who cares? So. <laughs> Anything. Maybe my comics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anything to maintain that can control that TV longer to keep my you know brother and sister away from it was uh, okay with me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also on this list is Mork and Mindy. Oh yeah, which, that's a stretch. Uh, is that a stretch? <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. A stretch. I mean, yeah, it's science fiction, but he's an know. alien living on Earth. It's science fiction. <sighs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched it. I was sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did. yeah, yeah. It's cute. Yeah, I mean, it's probably. I liked Wayne. it when Jonathan Winters came on. Oh, yeah, Mirth. Yes. Played Mirth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, yes. It was a fun show, and I certainly loved it. And I, my fandom of Robin Williams continued right from that into the movies. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. it was like, all right, I'll follow him in movies now. Sure. I don't have no problem with that. So, Plus, there was Amigo Doll. That's right. And Mr. Bickley. A what? Mr. Bickley, <laughs> the downstairs angry neighbor. <laughs> there was a doll? No, no, I just oh. mean. It gave uh, us Mr. Bickley. I mean, oh, okay. That, that's all right. something we're celebrating. I was, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Project Moving U- on. Project <laughs> UFO from 1978. Now, it says it stars and his director is Jack Webb. And that's that's Dragnet's Jack Webb. Like, that's yeah. that guy. I didn't yeah. know that, like, he was still doing stuff that late. I've never seen this show. I love the idea of him in science fiction with that clip delivery that he had. You know, like, I'm just trying to picture that. Oh, look, there's aliens. Oh, yeah? Where, well, where are they? You know, that kind, of, that kind of thing. See, he only did that on Dragnet, though, because I've heard him. Uh, I listen to a lot of uh, old-time radio on satellite radio, and he was in a series before Dragnet where he was a private investigator, and he does not have that at all. Oh, okay. All right. He specifically did that for Dragnet, for oh, Joe Friday. Okay. All right. I didn't mean to limit him then. because <laughs> you know. I watched the show. 
Um, although the weird thing is my memory was the name of the show was Project Blue Book, not Project UFO, but clearly it's the same show. And my memory was it was, and I could be wrong here because it's, I mean, it's been a long time ago here. I seem to recall it was sort of like an X-Files in that the guys would go around investigating UFO sightings, but I don't think you ever really caught up to the UFOs. It was always like they were one step behind, I want to say. And it's just like the X-Files. So that, that's kind of how I remember it. Yeah, I don't remember this. Another cast member is Edward Winter, who played Colonel Flagg on MASH. So <laughs> I'm kind of more interested in it now just because, you know, I'm like, I liked him on MASH. I think he's funny. Close your eyes. No yeah. one can see me leave. That's right. <laughs> I am the wind. <laughs> I, yeah, I loved him on that show. Uh, next up is Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Who didn't watch that? Everybody watched that, right? Oh, I love this. I'm sorry. Gil carried away there. Okay. <laughs> Fun fact, Gil Gerard does not wash his hands in the bathroom. Saw that firsthand at a convention. Very disappointed. <laughs> Yikes. Another okay. fun fact. Aaron Gray, still hot. She does not look like she's aged at all. You know what the funny? I will tend to tell you something about Aaron Gray. The first time I ever went to the San Diego Comic-Con, I went with a bunch of my buddies from the Kubert School. And I watched Buck Rogers. I was a fan of it. But I don't have, like, a childhood crush thing on Aaron Gray. I have no I, – I just did – you know, she's one of the – just didn't register with me the way some others did. But I'm walking through the convention floor with my buddy Sean Tiffany, who is a, an artist uh, to this day. And we're walking. And then over the PA comes this announcement. Aaron Gray is now signing autographs at the, you know, booth, whatever, whatever. And him and I were headed somewhere, and he goes, we got to go see Aaron Gray. And I only, like, half listened to him, and I'm like – and I was like, well, yeah, but we got to do this other thing. And he stops, and he just got very quiet, and he goes, we have to go see Aaron Gray. <laughs> and I was like – She made him a man. I was like, oh, I get it. Okay. So <laughs> we dropped what we were doing, and he went and saw Aaron Gray. I didn't fully understand how important that was to him until his his voice just dropped a full octave. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Obviously, we've touched something very deep and very primal here, and, and that he's in the same room with Aaron Gray. So, okay, Sean, go see Aaron Gray. Have fun. <laughs> Another interesting fact about the this series is Mel Blanc, who did the voice of Tweaky, was not originally involved. They filmed the the pilot movie. With Tweaky just saying "beady beady beady," and that that was it. He didn't actually speak. Doctor Theopolis, the little round one, had to translate for him. Oh, okay. And they realized, you know, this is kind of boring. So they brought in Mel Blank, and Mel he just threw stuff in. And so if you watch it, and he's saying stuff, the actors don't know what's going on. <laughs> It's so like saying stuff under his breath, and they don't know what's going on, and it's it's even more hilarious. That is funny. <laughs> I saw the pilot movie in theaters. I remember my dad taking me to it. With the nudity? Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. I, I distinctly remember it. I, that and It blends together with the Flash Gordon movie because I saw that too. My dad took me to that as well. But that one is distinctive because it had two drunk girls in the front row yelling through the whole time. So that's, that's how I remember that. <laughs> I remember that part of the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Aaron Gray, um, a friend of mine put on a convention. Um, 10 years ago? More than that. Ten, more than 10 years ago. Called DreamCon in Jacksonville. And Erin Gray was one of the guests. And one of the things Erin Gray does nowadays is she's actually an agent for convention atten- uh, guests. So, like, when you go to a convention and there's a bunch of, like, sort of, kind of stars, 
you know, there, there, you know, I'm not talking the big name folks, but like a bunch of the you know, mid range folks that you've heard of them, like, you know, like a Gil Gerard or whatever like that. Um, she is the agent for tons of them. So a lot of times she'll be there. And that means a lot of the other folks there were her, her clients. Anyway, um, she is so incredibly nice. Like we got a chance to talk to her a little bit here and there. Such a nice lady. And yeah, she is still gorgeous. And still, I like stop and just like, oh, Aaron Gray. When I see, I still see her at conventions all the time. In fact, when I'm with my buddy and we walk up, she's always like, oh, it's my DreamCon friends. You know, she's su- such a nice lady. And uh, some of her conventions, she does yoga in the morning. And a lot of guys contemplate going, but figuring we'll all get in trouble if we go. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's nice to hear. That's nice to hear that somebody's, you know, somebody from your childhood is nice. She's so, I mean, she's it just... You can't help, but she's like uh, like everybody's favorite aunt is probably the best way to put it. Aww, is when you talk to her, that's the way you feel. I felt that way when I ran into Yvonne Craig. I talked mm. to her at a Comic Con, and she was so sweet. So I was like, "Oh, Batgirl's like a nice old grandma now." That was, <laughs> that, was that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of it was it was nice to see that she was you know that she was a nice person. So uh, okay, we're gonna finish off this list. These are five titles I've never heard of any of these. So I'm going to bet you guys are the same. We've got Quartermass. Heard of it. Okay. It's, fam- it's super famous. Crazy. Well, I know the movies, the Quartermass movies. I don't right. know this miniseries, though. I've never heard of this oh, okay. one. Oh, okay. I'll give you that. Okay. Yeah. Salvage One, which stars Andy Griffith. Because when you think science fiction, you think <laughs> Andy Griffith. Uh, Sapphire and Steel, which featured D- David, David, huh? You go ahead and say what you're going to say, okay. but don't skip. Don't go on. All right. Sapphire and Steel with David McCollum and Joanna Lumley, another one that I have no familiarity with. Now, Gene, by the way, you jump in if you've seen any. Have you seen Sapphire and Steel before? I have not. No, okay. I've not seen any of these. This one is a total mind screw. Like, if you ever watch The Prisoner, um, a lot of times you're, you're like, what the hell is going on? Sapphire and Steel is like that. When hmm. you watch it, I, I've watched quite a bit of it, and it's just like, I, I understand what I'm watching, like this scene but I don't understand how it all fits together. Whoa, what's going on? And it's, it's all intentional. It's, very, it's not bad. It's very deep. There's a lot of stuff going on that you just got to figure out. Um, so these guys sort of have – they're sort of like FBI agents that show up, except they're not from the FBI. They're just from some organization, like almost paranormal organization. Like literally they're people with powers and talk to each other in their minds. And they're probably being sent by, like, the Lords of Order versus the FBI. And there's some weird time travel stuff that happens. There's some weird power stuff that happens. It is a trip. And, uh, in fact, Big Finish uh, produced some of those in audio drama as well with David Warner instead of David McCollum. But, um, wow. It ran want, six seasons. If you want to – and now I've only, when I say I've watched a lot, I've pretty much just been exclusive to the first season. But if you want to see some trippy stuff, check this out. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. And then the last one is Time Express. I've never heard of this, but just the description makes me want to say it. Jason and Margaret Winters were the sophisticated hosts of the Time Express, a train that took passengers back in time to relive a momentous moment of their lives. And the main star is Vincent Price. Yeah, this, this sounds like sounds like Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island on a train. Yeah, yeah. on a train. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, but Vincent Price, man, that just sounds like so much fun. I, I would like, I'm trying to hunt at least one or two of the. It only ran for four episodes, but I just, I love Vincent Price. So, oh yeah, uh, that just that sounds like a blast. Now I've got two to add to the list uh, uh-huh. that I dug up on my own. One is Night Gallery. Okay, ran, sure. Ran yeah, until 1973. That's a good one. I think yeah. I got to assume everyone's watched that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
good stuff. And the other one is a little show called Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you've heard of it or not, but <laughs> 1963 to 1989, so it counts. Yeah, that's that's one of the shows I would watch with my dad. Yeah. When it was on PBS, and it was my doctor, Tom Baker. Yep. And I, I, to this day, still love Doctor Who. In fact, I still have the 50th anniversary episode on my DVR <laughs> because it is from the BBC version, so it has no commercials on it. Yes. It's that good. It's worth it, too. I saw that. Oh, yeah. I saw it in the theater in 3D. It was so cool. <laughs> um, I didn't watch it in the 70s. I didn't start till 1983. However, as you mentioned, Tom Baker is one of the best, and he was the doctor from 1974 to 1980. So it definitely some of the best stuff came out of the 70s. So. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, in the 1980s, I can lead us through this, or Gene, you can, however you want to do it. Okay. So the 1980s, we start off with V, the miniseries and then all the follow-ups to it. Now, I've never seen the full series. I've seen like, oh, half an episode here, half an episode there. I've never seen the full full thing, but I remember the event. Okay. I remember people talking about it constantly. How about you guys? Oh, I watched it. I, I remember watching it at the time. It was very exciting because it was like a big event thing and, and yeah, no, I was, a, I was a fan. I didn't like the comic. But it was a big deal on TV. You shut your mouth. <laughs> no, you <know>. I refuse. <laughs> that would be a boring podcast if you shut his mouth. You can keep talking, but don't you don't you besmirch any V tie-ins, damn you. I uh, I'm a big V fan, like unhealthily though. So like you know, V the original miniseries, V the final battle, then V the ongoing series. V the ongoing series the, is really bad. Um, it's it's. Like, in watching it at now, it's really hard to get through. Um, I've done it because I'm that dedicated, but it's really bad. And I went nuts. I, I read the comics, as Rob mentioned. I read the tie-in books and, like, got really excited about the tie-in books. And I was pissed there were no action figures because they had action figures in the TV show to play with for V. Like, they had the kids are playing with the toy shuttlecraft. I'm like, son of a bitch, I want that. And, uh, you know, they're even like Kenner size, you know, I, they were probably were just Star Wars figures dressed up, I imagine. But I was like, damn, I want that. I love V. I, I mean, I even read another book by Kenneth Johnson that came out a couple of years ago, V, the second generation. Uh, and then, you know, then there was the remake series. I forced myself to watch at least the first season of that. After a while, I was just watching it for Laura Vanderhoot or whatever her name was, but, um, cause she kept ending up in her underwear. But, uh, yeah, but man, I just, I love me some V. I probably watch... Either the original series, the original miniseries, or the final battle. One of them, probably once a year. Hmm. Wow! I, I the, the the original V miniseries, final battle gets pretty goofy, but the original V miniseries is incredibly powerful. It's all an analog for World War II and um, the Holocaust. And man, it right. is it is seriously. There, there's some stuff in there that'll put you in tears. You're just like, oh my god. So, first time you see that lizard guy come at you know first time yep. you see oh that is powerful stuff yep it soundtrack's really good too by the way so we go from the best to the worst <gasps> up you shut your mouth <laughs> we're talking about a show that had the this is galactic 1980 that had the vipers be turn invisible because they were painted with invisible paint and it's cheaper to show an invisible spaceship than it is to build one <laughs> But just tell, don't tell me it's invisible paint, because if it was invisible paint, I couldn't see the paint, therefore I could see the ship. <laughs> but Lauren Green had a beard. 
It works. <laughs> it works on the same physics principles as like when you would paint a backdrop and then the Roadrunner runs into it and it just keeps right. going. Yeah. It's the same basic idea. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think I actually watched this when it really? was on. Yeah. Oh. I, I don't know. I understand why. Maybe, maybe because it wasn't rerun as much as the original. Yeah. So it, it probably just wasn't on my radar at the time. I remember seeing some episodes, and then when I was an adult, I sought it out. It's like, no, <laughs> we are not speaking of this again. It didn't last that long. It was only, um, let me see, I think One, it's eight, eight episodes? Yeah, it wasn't very long. Yeah. I mean, the episode everyone remembers was the last one, which was called The Return of... Uh, ten episodes. The Return of Starbuck. Right. That's the one everyone is waiting for. Because the premise of the series, the way it works, is it's like 25 years after Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, because one of the main Viper pilots now is Boxy. Who exactly is the right. kid from the original. Exactly right. Yep. And, I mean, there was some really goofy crap in this. I mean, they had, like, Boy Scouts, like, you know, Galactica Boy Scouts and stuff like that, who I want to say they were, like, oh, man, I might be wrong in this, but didn't they have, like, super abilities? Like, they could jump really high or something? It was just horrible. They had flying motorcycles. Right. Um, it was it was particularly bad. <laughs> but the return of Starbuck was great because uh, everyone, like, there was this, like, super brainy kid on it. I think it was Cousin Oliver, maybe. But he's, like, uh, he's, like, He's like, Adama, tell me about Starbuck. What happened with Starbuck? And so this is, so they tell a story from the past, and, you, and it's all, it's like, it's almost like a two-hander. Uh, Dirk Benedict and a Cylon crash landed on this planet together, and he rebuilds the Cylon. I think he names him Sam or something like that, and that's his buddy. Is this Cylon robot? Hmm. And in the end, he has to, if I remember right, he has to salvage parts from his buddy to build a ship to, or a beacon or something to get him out of there. And I think he ends up just sending a, a baby, like he meets a woman and a child, and I think he sends the baby out of there, and that becomes the weird kid that talks to Adama all the time. But that's the one everyone remembers, because that's what everyone was waiting for. It's like, boy, this show's bad. I hope they show Starbucks soon. <laughs> Do you have any affection for this show, Rob? I, I must have watched it, because it was about Star- I seem to remember, wasn't there an episode with Wolfman Jack? Like the, the radio DJ? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I seem to remember that. Uh, you know oh, what? Boy. I think you're right. Yeah. He might have been in the pilot, actually. Yeah. Now that you say See? That. Yeah. I seem to remember that. I remember thinking, why do I? Why, why am I hearing the guy from American Graffiti over footage of <laughs> of, of, of of the ships? Yeah. I, I said I must have watched it because you know it was sci-fi and it was kind of Star Wars ish and it was on TV. It was you know the in those long years in between Star Wars installments. So. <laughs> Mike Brady yeah. was on an episode. <laughs> Like, I remember one episode, they're at, like, a Halloween party, and a Cylon walks through the kitchen, and, like, somebody turns on the microwave to heat something up, and it shorts out the Cylon. I mean, it's oh, really bad. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's really bad. Oh, boy. Yikes. I think you can watch it on Netflix. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Okay, moving on. We have Beyond Westworld. <laughs> really? Give it up, fellas. Come on. <laughs> I'm willing to jump ahead to number seven, unless you guys got something. Uh, no, I have no idea what these other two are. So, yeah, let's let's jump ahead to number seven, The Phoenix. Woo! I'll go ahead, because I haven't seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I have no idea what this is, yeah. Oh, it's Judson Scott. Click his name if you don't know who he is. The minute you see his picture, you're going to go, oh, that guy. He was what I call the unsung hero of 70s and 80s. Like, oh, uh, yeah, that guy. Ah, I see. <laughs> He should be with uh, Ricardo Montalban. Gotcha. Yes, he should be with Ricardo Montalban. You're right. But he had like a bit part in every friggin' show. 
usually he played like the bad guy in one episode or something like that in everything. And uh, so he finally got his own lead sh- lead star, and he was uh, he was like you know an alien on Earth. And I I I remember he had a medallion that had like I want to say an Illuminati type symbol. But the thing I remember the most was like he would be sitting in like a, a you know a kneeling position in facing the sun, absorbing energy from the sun. And to this day. <laughs> I still like if I'm outside and the sun's out and I, I'll just like get in that, you know, sitting position and face the sun and put my hands out like I'm meditating. And I'm like, I, I'm like in my head, I'm the Phoenix absorbing power. So I, I don't remember a lot more than that. I mean, in my mind, it was sort of like a highway to heaven kind of show where he went and helped people. And, you know, with, with like a, maybe a Mr. McGee type person trying to chase him down. But that's, that's about all I got, but I loved it. Also had EG Marshall in it, apparently. Yeah, that was kind of a get. I mean, he was like a big yeah. deal, Ichi Marshall. Yeah, he was. So, yeah, he was the president, Superman 2 for Pete's sake. <laughs> All right, the powers of Matthew Star. Super powered alien prince from another world goes to high school. Do you remember this one, Gene? No, I don't. Oh my gosh, Rob, you certainly must. I did, I watched it. I did. It was science fiction. I watched it. So. Yeah. And who, who, who starred in this show? Peter Barton. And Louis Gossett Jr. Yes. Are you a big fan of his or something? I don't know why that's significant. He grew up in the eighties. He was a total badass in everything. All right. Okay. All right. Louis Gossett Jr. in the eighties was like you knew it was like oh this shit's getting real. This is gonna be awesome. I love Louis Gossett Jr. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Seriously. What is wrong with you people? I should do the show by myself. I don't even know why I invite you people. All right. Good night. Okay. It was it was wasn't it a Saturday morning show as well? No, I no no no. It was a no, it was a primetime show. Was it? Yeah. All right. Ran for twenty two. I guess I remember all the ads in the comic books. That must be it. It ran it it ran for twenty two. That's not that bad. I mean it's a full season, so Wow, I always thought it was two seasons. Okay. So I thought like wow, wow, okay. It star it also starred James Karen, who was one of my favorite like character actors, because he was the the uh, what's his name? Craig T. Nelson's boss in Poltergeist, the one he yells at about you only move the headstones. He's that oh. guy. I love that guy. Yep. Ugh. All right. Anyone know what QED is? I watched this. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost steampunk before there was steampunk. Quentin um, E. Deverell. Yeah. He was. It was sort of like a not a Sherlock Holmesy kind of thing, but he was he was a guy who solved crimes and stuff. I mean, they all solve crimes. Let's face it. It's like all of these shows we watched as kids, they solve crimes. Um, but anyway, it was sort of Edwardian London. And uh, again, there was a little bit of almost like a steampunky flavor to it. I don't remember a lot. Of, I thought I, it was like an HBO series or something, but I seriously doubt that in 1982. I don't know where I would have saw it, but I saw it when it was going out originally. I loved it. I thought it was great. It started and Sam I, Waterston. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, he was real. his first place I ever saw him. And it was, I, you know, it's, the, the expression QED is usually quite easily done. Right. So Quinn Everhard Deborah, I was confused for years when I would hear the, you know, QED. I'm like, what about Quinn Everhard Deborah? What's the problem? What are you talking about? <laughs> so. It also starred Julian Glover, who is like Captain Franchise because he's in Game of Thrones now. And he was in Le- Indiana Jones and yep. The Last Crusade and Empire Strikes Back. Yep. So yes. He is all over the place. And Doctor Who. Oh, he was in Doctor Who. Oh, he's British. Oh, yeah, he's so a, of course he's he was. A very yeah. famous Doctor Who character. Okay. Scaroth. Hey, <laughs> it was, it was City of Death. Everyone loves City of yeah. Death. John Cleese is in City of Death. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, Voyagers. Woo. 1982. Member of a league of time travelers and a boy 
travel through time repairing <laughs> errors in world history. It sounds bad. Wasn't <laughs> it better in the old days you could just randomly pick up a boy and there wasn't any legal problem? But just it, call him your ward and you're fine. It wasn't random. He was destined to be with Phineas Fogg. Oh, yeah, let's see how That's that works worse. with the cops. <laughs> that's what they found out like in the big finale where they were on trial and they were going to send the kid back to his time and then they realized no he wrote all these wonderful stories about his travels with Phineas Bog he had to stay with him in <laughs> the Omni you, you know you watched this Rob I did not <gasps> I've never heard of this oh my god what is wrong with you people this thing was huge this wasn't some little show this was a big deal they would time travel to a different time zone every episode. Sometimes multiple time zones within an episode. And um, they would... <laughs> the way you said time zone, like the exciting episode where they go to mountain time. <laughs> <laughs> they go to Atlantic time. Who's heard of Atlantic time besides Cisco? Anyway, All of so, our um... live television shows are not live. This sucks. <laughs> no, they <laughs> They would usually they were falling. They they would appear and they would just fall Whoa, and land in a bale of, hay, bale of hay or something. They'd run into some sort of situation with somebody famous. They'd be like, "Oh, this is the signing of the Magna Carta," you know, or whatever. I don't remember. Um, you know, like, I remember one episode where they pushed like one where they're only there for a moment. Like Moses's little boat going down the river, and he's an infant got stuck in the weeds, and they had to free it. You know, kind of thing. They had to go and fix where history went wrong. And they had this little device called the Omni, which is a very steampunky looking handheld sort of watch thing. And it would blink red. And if I remember right, they couldn't leave as long as time was wrong. And they had to figure out what was wrong with time. And Phineas Bogg was this experienced time traveler. And the kid was just some high school kid or, or middle school kid who apparently had all the answers. Apparently Phineas Bogg was an idiot. And the kid was like, oh, I know this. I read about this in history. And um, they would fix the history thing. The light would turn green. And he even said it in the opening credits. He'd be like, the light's green, kid. Let's go. And they just grab, they both have to be touching. That sounds bad. And, the, and they, press a button on the, they press a button on the Omni and they'd be thrust through time to the next adventure. And at the end, the kid would always come in and be like, if you want to learn more about, you know, Annie Oakley, go to your public library. Was this a Saturday morning thing? No, this was. Really? I think it was. I think this was a primetime one. I'm, I'm not kidding. When I say this was a big deal, this, I'm not like being sarcastic. This one was a big one. People watched I, this one. I've never heard of this. I'm sorry. Wow. You got to. You got to. Um. You got. You got. You got to do some YouTubing on this thing, man. It's good stuff. It's good. Good stuff. Yeah, I don't have enough to do. Put it on the list. Put it on the list. I still haven't watched all of Daredevil. <laughs> Me either. So. Okay. There <laughs> Much you to go. the chagrin of my 15 year old. <laughs> <laughs> I foolishly agreed to let him watch it. And, like, after 30 minutes of the first episode, I'm like, like I am no. the worst parent ever. Oh, my God. He should not be watching this. Yeah, is so I inappropriate. I don't even have it on if my daughter's in the house. I, uh, okay. You, you, you're you off on a Girl Scout? Fine. Okay, now I can watch Daredevil. Well, he's, he's 15 and a half. It's a little bit different between that and a first grader. But still, yeah. I, uh, I feel really guilty when, like... The kingpin does something absolutely horrible, and I'm like, "Oh, jeez!" <laughs> he didn't need to see that. He's going to talk about that at school tomorrow. Okay. Anyway, next, next, Auto Man. Ah, based on your excitement, you know this one. <laughs> Certainly, you watched this one, Rob. I did. I did. Okay. Talk about it. I don't remember much from it. I mean, it stars okay. Desi Arnaz Jr., which means they couldn't get their first three choices. So, <laughs> I mean, but I, I, I definitely watch. I just remember how cool the car looked because oh, it looked yeah. it looked like Tron. 
Mm-hmm. That was like the big thing. I mean, yeah, it was, you know, it's it's the kind of, it's a time killer. It's like, it's science fiction, so I'll watch it. I don't remember anything from it other than the car. That, that's it. The gist of it is the guy's like a cop. I want to say he's like a profiler maybe or something like that. Or maybe he's the computer guy at the, at the police station. He's like, he's the doofy guy. The one that doesn't solve the crimes. He's the doofy guy. And he, somehow he has a computer program that comes to life. And it's this guy. It's a, it's a guy. He's got, he's basically, the guy's, it's just his head and he's wearing a blue screen suit. And so his whole body is glowing, sort of like Donna Troy's, you know, Troya costume with all the, the black costume oh. with all the stars. Right. Except his is more like uh, black with bluish, whitish stars. And and it, it, like you said, it's sort of Tronish. And he's got the car that looks very all piped and neon kind of thing. And he's got a little floating bright light that helps him out. It, they call it cursor. And cursor will go draw something, like a cursor would, draw the car. It draws the car really super fast. like, And then the car appears. And the car can do things like right angles. Like literally a 90 degree angle the car can I remember draw. that. I remember yeah. that bit, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a funny like bit. Tron. <laughs> yeah, and um, and so this cop who's the doof on the force and Auto Man would solve crimes, and it was I mean, you know the strange thing is somebody pointed it to me, pointed it out to me. There was on you can probably find it on YouTube like a thirty minute documentary that was included in like the Auto Man um, DVD <laughs> that is insanely compelling. I don't know why, like I couldn't turn it off. I had to watch the whole little documentary. It was that hmm. good. So, like, Google, um, you know, Google Auto Man documentary, even if you're not a big fan of the show, even if you just kind of remember it like Rob, and check it out. It's really damn good. So. All right. All right. Next, was this actually a TV show? I, Benji, Zach's, and the Alien Prince. It had to be, like, a little TV movie or something. It sounds like a joke. It ran 13 episodes. <gasps> Joke's on you. Holy crap. That's not, that's, can't, that can't be right. Poor Benji. Oh, he was, really, he was poor Benji was slumming it by this point, man. It's listed wow. as a Hanna Barbera production, so I wonder if it wasn't a Saturday morning thing. I have zero memory of this. I'm pretty familiar with Saturday morning cartoons and so in in programming because I I collected a bunch of those comic ads a couple years ago, and I don't remember this at all. Nope. Now we're up to the Transformers. Dun, 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 dun. The original Generation 1 Transformers. In other words, the half-hour commercial for the toy. And I was okay with that. Hell yeah. That, this, this is something I had to watch. Mm-hmm. If Transformers is on, I'm watching. I don't care what my sister wants to watch. I'm watching Transformers. I mean, hell, it had Frank Welker and Casey Kasem in it. <laughs> Did you go through a Transformers phase, Rob? No. I've never liked the Transformers. I didn't. <gasps> like, I didn't like them when I was a kid. I didn't like them when they were popular. I didn't like them when they were unpopular. And I don't like them now that they're popular again. Same thing with um, Bon Jovi. Just uh, nothing. <laughs> well, well, two things. First, you do not like them um, with green eggs and ham either. It sounds like no, I don't. But you live in New Jersey. It's actually against the law to speak ill of John Bon Jovi. No, I, it, it, you're either Springsteen or you're Bon Jovi. There you go. I, yes, okay. there is a special sub law involving Bruce Springsteen, and I am in full compliance with that. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. The boss and I share a birthday, so I can get behind that. You know, this show aired, started over 30 years ago. I watched the cartoon religiously. I read the comic books for a number of years. Um, did not. I had barely any of the toys, though. Uh, really? I, I just couldn't afford them. I was cheap. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, uh, see, we. We got some of the knockoff toys. <laughs> like, uh, GoBots? No, no, not GoBots. They were, uh, you remember Sunstreaker? 
He was the the hot rod. He was yellow. Yeah. Okay. I had a red one. <laughs> because there was a catalog store down the street from our house, and you could get the knockoff versions of Transformers. They were same molds and everything. It was not put together quite as well, but they were different colors so that they could get away with it, apparently. How funny. And so I would be I would get those. I mean, but I remember one of the big birthdays I had when I was a kid, I got three of the Dinobots. I got the original three Dinobots. Holy crap, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Now those toys, those were metal, right? Those to- those uh, Transformers toys, the expensive ones, weren't they? No, no, uh, they were all plastic. Oh, okay. See, I didn't yeah. have any of the big ones. I didn't know. Yeah, okay. they were all plastic, but they had uh, like a, a metal paint on them. Mm-hmm. So, like um, Grimlock's arms looked like they were chrome, but they were actually plastic, just painted to look chrome. Grimlock got chrome arms. So I, uh, <laughs> like I, t- I mentioned, I was cheap. I. Um, like, because like the big Transformers, those were like fifteen twenty bucks at the Kmart. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you you know I'm legit when I say the Kmart, not Kmart. Anyway, and I was cheap, so I would buy like the three or four dollar Transformers, which were like the little tiny ones, which had like four moving parts, like Bumblebee. No, oh, Bumblebee not was even not in there. That was. Oh. But there was one. There was something that looked just like Bumblebee, but he was red. And cliff he had, jumper. And he had cliff jumper. Exactly right. That was the one that Casey Kasem voiced. Okay, it was cliff jumper, and it was all. Uh, he was also one of the ones to survive the movie. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you were you were just talking about this recently, weren't you? Somebody was just in Casey Kasem walked out when he found out that there was. Uh, no, yeah, that wasn't me. That was. Um... It was part of the Conway crossover. I know that much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, I had like a cliff jumper, and I pretended he was my bumblebee because he was like the same size and brawn and things like that. But I loved him. Now, here's something interesting. Thirty years now, this thing's been around, right? And there's the Autobot symbol right there, right? Right. And for the first time ever, I kid you not, I'm looking at the Autobot symbol properly. I have always, up till this moment, misinterpreted that symbol. If you look where you see, uh, you know, he's clearly got a mouth. He's clearly got a nose. He's clearly got two white eyes, right? Right. We see above it the two hashtag lines that look like probably his eyebrows. Yeah. Up until this moment, I always thought those were the eyes. Me too. And I thought the really? white space was the cheekbones. But I realized, for whatever reason, this particular shot made me realize that those white holes are the eyeballs. And I never knew that for 30 years. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I you, you have blown my mind. I, I always saw the little white streaky lines as the eyeballs. So, all right. I'm trying to picture it, and I can't. The more, the more you know. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. All right, moving on, we have the tripods. It was big on PBS. That's all okay. I know. <laughs> it, it, it looks like a War of the Worlds ripoff. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was okay. well, I, I, more like an homage. Okay, and I think we can cover the next two at once. Droids <laughs> and Ewoks. They're very different entities, though. They are. I, I remember watching Ewoks. I have very little memory of watching Droids, even though I think Droids was around longer. Droids was infinitely better. Mm-hmm. They both had great theme songs, though. Oh, yeah. In trouble again. And the Ewoks got the E, 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 Ewoks. 
I think we ended up watching Ewoks more just because my sister loves Ewoks, so... Dude, that show is unwatchable. It's so good. <laughs> I, very... I gave droids a try because I was like, it's still Star Wars, but I just couldn't stick with it. And then by the time Ewoks, was, I was like, no. All right. I, you know, it was just enough. <laughs> it was just... I was of the I want to say how old was I? I was at fourteen in nineteen eighty five. So I was like getting to the point where I'm like I'm getting a little old for this. Just mm. at the point where I was feeling a little too old for Star Wars in general. Then Star mm. Wars was becoming more and more kitty. So yeah, right. I was just like now nah, now nah, now's the time to divest myself of this. So my, my memory of Ewoks is that it makes the Christmas special look like high art. That's how bad I remember Ewoks being. I don't know if yeah. you can compare the two because one's mm. meant for little kids, you know, and the holiday special was actually meant to be for. Like fans of the movie, I, I think mean, it was meant for people in insane asylums. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, the Ewok cartoon doesn't have like Harrison Ford and Luke Hamill embarrassing themselves. <laughs> that you know. blonde hair, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> and the eye makeup too. Oh, so bad. Yeah, but we're not talking about that right now. No. <laughs> uh, I think we can skip twenty three. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Whoa. My like my heart stopped. Really? <laughs> Misfits of Science? Well, I know it's one of the ones you want to cover on Legends of Superheroes. It's, you're damn right it is. <laughs> I have a, I have like a, like a, on my iPod, I have like a mix of superhero stuff on there. Not my iPod. It's, gosh, that's what I used to call it. Anyway, I have a whatever on my mix of, of iTunes music. And the Misfits of Science theme song is in there. That's how much I love this stupid, stupid, stupid show. <laughs> hey, Courtney Cox was in it. She was hot. And, um... It had uh, Dean Martin's son, who, if he hadn't died in Plane Wreck, he would have gone on, I think, to be like a really cool character actor. Because he was a neat character. He, he was a, the way he played his characters. He was a good, good guy. And uh, just, it was a goofiest show. It was about these guys who had a, a science lab, and they were finding paranormal people. You know, one guy who could freeze stuff, another girl who had telekinetic powers, a guy who could absorb electricity and run real fast, and throw lightning bolts, and one guy could shrink, and... And they would go on little adventures and stuff. And they were sort of doofy, like one where all these cows got irradiated. And then they slaughtered the cows and cooked up the hamburgers. So people were getting weird abilities from cow, from hamburgers and just stupid stuff. Didn't they do that on Gilgan's Island with the vegetables? Yes. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> so anyone uh, besides me ever watched Steal from the best. Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> I watched this because it was superheroes, and then I think like a couple episodes is I'm like, all right, this is just too stupid. I'm not watching this. <laughs> but I, I gave I, it a shot. I've never seen it. <laughs> I, I have never seen this. I still love the pilot. I probably watched that, I don't know, once every few years. I still love the pilot. This <laughs> <laughs> is dumb. Between, you, bet- between that and you talking about being in front of the sun and pretending to be that guy from the other show, <laughs> you, you're, you're painting a very sad portrait of yourself. Hey, Art, you, you quote that Sid and Marty Croft lunch thing still. I said lunch, not launch. See? See? <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Either of you ever see Otherworld? Never even heard Never of it. Heard okay. Of Skip. And on to Robotech. Next. Hey. <laughs> Revenge is a dish best cursor. <laughs> or something like that. The Klingon proverb I hear. Yes. Now, Robotech, this is a cartoon that I had seen some of. I don't know if it was on fully in, I think maybe they ran the first series where I was. But it's actually, it's three completely separate 
not connected at all Japanese <laughs> series. That they said, oh, well, they all have mechs of some kind, so we have to put them all together. <laughs> and they made this huge generational thing. So, like, you have the first series, which has the fighter planes that turn into robots, and they're fighting against, you know, these evil giant aliens. Then the next series, it's, like, tanks that kind of sort of turn into robots, and the main character is supposed to be the daughter of two of the ones from the first series. But... Mm. They actually have no connection whatsoever. I I like the first series a lot, which is based on the the anime Macross. Beyond that, it gets really, really strange. I never watched it, but I had to listen to people talk about it all the time when I made the comic book store. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we'll get to it eventually on Anime Freaks. Have fun with that. <laughs> I, I will. I enjoy it. Rob, any experience? No, I never watched this. It's just, I, right. I, I, same okay. thing with Transformers. A bunch of boxes hitting each other. <laughs> uh, Can we skip number 26? I don't <laughs> think it deserves to be on the list. <laughs> it's about an android child. Science fiction. Next. Okay. <laughs> Small wonder, folks. Now people know why I want to skip it. <laughs> on to the Twilight Zone. Now, now, now you're talking. This was... This was a redo of the original series. I watched, this was great. I watched every one of these. It was really good. Yeah. I know I watched them, but I don't remember them. Oh, it was so good. I mean, many of them written by Alan Brenner, who, as we all know, I'm just like a crazy fanboy of. No, this was <laughs> – I love this, this show. I really did. I love the fact that all the stories could be different lengths. Like there was no standard. Some were like 20 minutes. Some were like 40 minutes. There was one that – I remember one that was like – I remember there was one story that was like five minutes. It was like this wee little one, like right in the middle. I was, I loved it. Yeah, I just thought this was just so, and it really holds up. If you watch them again today, they are like just as good. They, that is, it's so. Imagine it would be so impossible to to follow that original series, but man, they did an admirable job. This is this is a great great series. Now it's interesting. I and I don't know whether other people fell into this camp or not, but yeah, Amazing Stories and Twilight Zone were contemporaries of each other. In the eighties, mm. and I, I was always more. Now, I, I that's not a knock against Twilight Zone, but I was more of an Amazing Stories guy. And in my mind, as a child, I felt like you were supposed to be a fan of one of the other, <laughs> like there were competition for it or something. Huh. So I would, I, I was more of a fan of Amazing Stories, even though I recognized that the Twilight Zone stuff was just really great. And I think maybe what it was is the Amazing Stories is probably targeted a little bit younger. Is probably what it was. Could be, yeah. So, but you're right, Rob. Such a good show. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And now on to ALF. More, more high art. <laughs> I remember watching ALF all the time. Oh, yeah. Whenever it was on. Even the cartoon I watched. The cartoon was better than the live action series. It was. It was. But then again, it was based on Melmac. So, right. you know, you had other aliens he was interacting with. Gordon Shumway. Very popular comic book, too. Yep. Yeah. It went for a long time. It did. You're right. I have a, I, somewhere in my attic, I have an elf stuffed animal. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, well, my mom worked for NBC. Uh, right. Okay. In the, in the 80s. So somehow she got that through NBC. And he just, it was, it was great. I loved him. I really liked him in those uh, uh, phone call, uh, phone card commercials in the 90s um, <laughs> when they sold out the puppet and let him do commercials for hawking stuff. <laughs> anyway, it was a silly series. It, it's yeah. really something that could have only existed at that time. Because he was supposed to look a little, little like Ronald Reagan. You know, if you look at him, you can kind of see it in his face and stuff. And it was a goofy, really stupid sitcom. But we all 
we just ate that crap up. Oh, yeah. Starman, the TV series, not the movie. Loved this show. I, I didn't, and I've never actually seen the movie. I've only seen the oh, TV series. Oh, my God. I really? Know. I've only ever seen the movie. I've never seen the TV show. And um, so I, somehow I never saw the film. And it's, it's, oh. in my, it's still in my Netflix queue, just sitting there, I think. But, um, but I watched the series every week and just loved it. I think part of it is I just like Robert Hayes. He's just, he's a, I like him in everything. And he's a very likable guy. Anyway, uh, you know, it was an adventure of the alien and his son traveling around. It was a father-son. Again, very, everything from the 80s was you, you're on the run, you travel from city to city, you help people, and there's someone chasing you. That's kind of how almost every one of these shows worked. Uh, and that was the formula for this one. And uh, he had weird powers and stuff, and I loved it. I somehow didn't ever watch the show, even though I love the movie. And you should see the movie. You should absolutely I, see the movie. It has one of the great final shots of, of any movie. Yeah? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. Next is Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't this the show that you could have a toy and it interact with the show? You are correct, sir. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember those ads in comics where you could shoot at the, a light beam from your toy, and if it shot back at you, your toy would blow up. Something like that, yeah. It was yeah. it was the first interactive TV show with your toys, yeah. And I don't remember. It, apparently, the 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 mechanics were really simple and and not very entertaining once you finally got figured out how it works. But that was the gimmick. I I never watched it. It was after you know by 1987, I thought I was cool and grown up, so I was done with this stuff. <laughs> this is something that my parents just said, "No, you're not getting that." Right? <laughs> They're probably expensive as hell. I love probably, the, yeah. I love the idea that they're not even pretending anymore that the TV show is not just a way to sell toys. Like, just out of hell with it. (laughs) (laughs) At that point, you're absolutely right. (laughs) All right. All right. What about The Highwayman? I remember Highway to Heaven. I don't remember this one. I don't remember this one either. High-tech 18-wheeler. Okay. Moving on to Max Headroom. Put a chimpanzee in that 18-wheeler. and Now we might be talking about it. BJ and the Future Bear. Yep. Max Headroom was such a good show. I I I remember Max Headroom. Mm-hmm. I remember like little bits that he would do somewhere, but I've never seen the actual show. Really? I used to yeah. watch it. I remember watching it. It, it was uh, well. What do you remember about it, Rob? Not a lot. I remember it being. It was very dystopian. Like it was very dark. Yes. Like like literally dark. The sets were dark, and everything was in shadow. And I didn't understand a lot of it, but I I did remember watching it because again it was like sci-fi and it had some comedy to it. So, you know, I remember you know I enjoyed it. It was a very but it was very strange. It was very it didn't last long because I think it was just it was just I think most people were like it was just too weird. It was deep. Like I I would record it and I would watch each episode like two or three times to try and understand it all because it was eighty seven. And this was the point where I really, I mean, I was, I was sort of kidding about being grown up, but like, I really wanted to be grown up at that point. Like I would watch, I would follow the stock market, at, you know, at all of age, you know, 15 years old. Cause I thought that's what I was supposed to do as an adult. You know, now as an adult, I don't even know what the hell that is, but, um, <laughs> so I, I would, I really got into the show and there was a lot of like political intrigue and stuff going on and corporate shenanigans and stuff. And I mean, you, you mentioned comedy. It wasn't. It was more like a little bit of black comedy, really. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very dark. And uh, a lot of commentary on the direction of the way the world was going. The, the tagline for the show was 20 minutes into the future. Yeah, that's right. that's right. So the idea was it was just – it's just a little bit in the future. And you know what? 
some of it's kind of dead on. They had this whole thing called blipverts, which was like super fast advertising. And, you know, well, it, it's not the same as it, as it was in the show. We kind of have that concept now with the way ads work online. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, – they were ahead of their time. And Matt Frewer was really good. He was um, – you've, you've probably seen Matt Frewer in a bunch of stuff. He, he's been all around sci-fi over the last 20 years. But he, uh, he was Max Hedrum. He would have to do like three hours of makeup to get into that Max Hedrum look. And it was an interesting show. In fact, I, I referenced Max Hedrum in a presentation I gave just a couple months ago. Did anyone get it? No. Well, yeah. Some people knew who he was. Okay. But I was using it – was, it was a presentation about advertising. And uh, I actually talked about Blipverts. And how this was 20, 30 years ahead of its time and, and was just using it to reinforce a concept. And anytime I can slip, you know, an 80s reference into one of my presentations, I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right. Um, either you guys got anything on Out of This World or Star Cops? I, I can do number 36, I think. Yeah. I, I've heard it. <laughs> well, uh, hey, Max Hedrum was in number 36. Yes, he was. Matt Frewer absolutely was. Tell, yes, the captain, was. tell the captain to move. I'm not moving my <laughs> ship. No, Captain. He wants you to move. <laughs> you got that one, Rob? Yeah, I think I've seen a couple okay. episodes of Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. No, I mean the, the episode we're referring to. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah okay. I, I've seen every episode of Okay. Yes. Yeah, this, this was one of the ones that, you know, being a Star Trek fan, you could not wait for. I know I I heard of this. It's like, oh, they're doing a new Star Trek show. Wait, what? <laughs> a brand new Star Trek show? What are you talking about? And I just, I loved every minute of this when I first saw it. Even Yes, there are some rough patches early on. Sure. Called The Naked Now. But nice. it was, it was really, really good. And it was, Roddenberry had full control again. So we had... You know, more of his this it's more it's more like what he was trying to set up in Star Trek, the motion picture than what happened in the the later movies. It's more of the utopian setup. Yeah. But and it just led into so many great stories. Yep. Yeah. Roddenberry wasn't trying to do space opera like Star Trek two through four was, even though they're they're probably the most successful films. That's not what he was trying to do. You're right. This is what he was trying to do. The vision of the future. Yeah. And um I, like you know, I remember when it first started. I'm like, I would, I would get like TV Guide articles about it and mm. cut them out and laminate them with Scotch tape. Oh yeah, I mean, just to keep these articles. Like, I, I want to keep this article. Really? What? You know. Anyway, um, I was so excited for the launch of it. I remember the, I remember the commercials. Like, it was either October 17th or October 27th. I mean, that's how much I remember the commercial, you know, advertising leading up to it. And then after, you know, like halfway through the first season, even though I loved it, I was like, I don't know if this is gonna make it. You know, I don't know if it's going to last. And uh, who knew what kind of empire this was going to Oh, launch? yeah. Jeez. Well, because they made it specifically for syndication, which mm-hmm. is one of the things that made it live. Because you had some stations, well, we don't want it anymore. Then others, oh, no, bring it over here. So you would all, it, it would be, you know, running every week somewhere. And mm-hmm. it, it's the next generation is the reason you have the season-ending cliffhanger. Because of Best of Both Worlds. That was the first ah, one to do it. Interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, so anyone that's annoyed at The Flash right now, you can blame Star Trek. <laughs> you know, I made my stepson watch Unification Part 1 and 2, the one where Leonard Nimoy's on mm-hmm. it, recently. And I just kept having to be like, no, you don't understand. I don't care that he was in the movie. This was a big deal. Yeah, we had We all lost our mind, you know? Spock's yeah. back! Oh my god! You know, I remember the week before that when 
when they had the the next time on yes. Star Trek, the next generation, and they they had they showed Spock yeah. on Star Trek: The Next Generation. I you have no idea how long that week was, <laughs> dude. When we got done, I YouTubed the trailers and made him watch it. <laughs> next on, I made him watch the next on Star Trek. I'm like, see, look, we freaked out. <laughs> I think we bored Rob. I'm just, I'm just letting you guys just geek out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, no, I, I love the show too. I've seen everyone, and you know, the, I remember watching the one back at, when we were at Cubert. I used to watch it with Tom Zoller because we would always watch it Saturday. It was Saturdays at seven, and I remember the great one with Patrick Stewart and Famke Jansen. Oh yeah, uh, which the, of course oh, we of course reunite on the X Men movies, but that one was like really good, and I liked oh Ensign Rowe. God, I never thought of that. Yep, yep perfect yep. mate. That was the yep. name of that one. Yeah. It was it was a great show. I mean, you know, I and I I the my one of the few toys I still have left is my old Doctor McCoy action figure from the episode from Encounter and Farpoint. Oh, I, that's wow. badass! I was so charmed that they got McCoy to do that whole scene with Data. It was really fun. So yeah, no, it was a great show. They did they did the almost impossible, which is a completely different version of a beloved franchise, and pull it off. I uh, I had the trading cards and everything, so that's how I knew all the episode names because I had all the trading cards and stuff. And I didn't know they made a McCoy action figure. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a funny story with Next Gen is when I was in college. And they were still running when when I was in college, but we would you would also have the reruns on. Mm-hmm. Well, the one day I was I was upstairs in my room and it had come on. It's like, okay, well I'm pretty sure the guys downstairs are watching it. Let me turn it off. But I had seen the the pre credits scene, so I knew what episode it was. I went downstairs into the living room, and you know they obviously had on. It's a, I was in fraternity with engineers and scientists. What do you expect to be on? <laughs> lambda, lambda, lambda? No triangle, actually. One of the three fraternities that does not have Greek letters. Okay. But I walk in, and it's the Enterprise just before it jumps to warp in the beginning credits. And it goes by, and I say, oh, yeah, that's this episode. And they looked at me like, how do you know that? <laughs> so I told them, oh, well, you see, each episode, they have a different number of windows lit up on the Enterprise. So you can tell which episode it is. You jerk. <laughs> and they actually bought it for like five seconds. Oh, my gosh. Did, did you guys do what we used to do when when the ship would go over and you could see the person walk through the conference room, like walk from left to right in the conference room? But it was like, there they go. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Never got old. Such, such a good show. Wow. Oh, yeah. We had a big party when the finale aired and everything. I mean, it was just, it was a big, big, big deal. And you, I'm glad you mentioned Ensign Rowe, Rob. She was, Michelle Forbes was great in that Yeah, movie. yeah. They, oh, crap, yes. they crap on her in her last episode, but I, I liked her up into that point. But you know what? They, they do, but it was powerful that she betrayed them, though. Uh, it was a different thing. And to see, but that, it got you that scene with Patrick Stewart at the end pissed off. Where the camera's just on his face and you can see the rage behind his eyes. And you're like, oh my god, he is scaring me. So, yeah, I didn't buy it. I didn't like it. And then, because of that, I sought out True Blood because I heard she was naked on it. So, anyway. She's, <sighs> Sorry, she's ladies. Not. He's spoken for. <laughs> he's spoken for. <laughs> it's my wife's fault. She told me Michelle Forbes is on the show. I'm like, really? I gotta watch that. <laughs> I, think, I think Stella really needs to listen to these fire and waters. She listened to our last episode. I think she regrets it, but she did. All right. <laughs> uh, Shag will never be on that show again. <laughs> I, I'm just who I am. 
And you know what? Everyone pretty much knows that by now. She didn't. There's nothing shock. True, but there's nothing shock. For anyone who's listening to Firewater, there's nothing shocking coming out of my mouth right now. So, on to probe. Speaking of naughty sounding things. <laughs> okay, I have no memory of this show. No, I never watched this either. I did, but I don't see why it's science fiction. I okay. Mean, he he was a, like a crazy rich dude, and like he would walk into his house. And, you know, this is the guy from Hardy Boys, Parker Stevenson. He'd walk into his house and he'd be like, say, like, Mozart. And the house would just start playing music and, you know, things like that. And he was, like, super smart. And, of course, they solve crimes. But, I mean, I, I kind of enjoyed it. So, in fact, to the point where when the probe car came out, I kind of wanted one because it reminded me of the show. Next. Okay. Red Dwarf. Woo! I love Red Dwarf. It's a great show. <laughs> it's, it's really stupid funny. <laughs> oh, it is. It, it is not highbrow in the slightest. <laughs> Have you ever seen this, Rob? No, I know it's a huge thing, but I've just never, yeah. just never seen it. Yeah, it it is funny, especially Danny John Jules who plays Cat. Oh my God, he's so funny. He's fish. Just... fish, fish. <laughs> Today's fish is trout almondine. Enjoy. <laughs> yes, I actually know the damn line. <laughs> He's a but he's a hyper like he he the Lister who's the the only human left alive had a cat and he was sentenced to okay well you know you had a cat you're not allowed to on this ship you go into suspended animation forfeit all your pay then something happened all the humans died on the ship and three million years later that cat has evolved into a race of cats so he is a humanoid cat. And he has every single mannerism of a cat down. Like, to mark his territory, he has an aerosol can. So he goes around spraying things. That's mine. That's mine. And he puts a circle around one part. I don't want that. That's yours. He licks his paws. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. it's, But it's, but he's just a dude. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, we're probably not selling well, but it's very no. funny. It's it, very, it's, very funny. It's hilarious. I love it. His old anal retentive boss is a hologram they can't get rid of. and So, it's fun. I'll take your word for it. All okay. right, thanks for that. <laughs> and now on to War of the Worlds, the TV show. So the the idea of this show, I've only seen a couple episodes, was basically the alien, the Martians from War of the Worlds didn't die when exposed to human viruses. They went into hibernation, and now they're back. Okay. And I think I think they're they can take like human form or something now, so it's trying to ferret them out or whatever. Well, like I said I only seen a few episodes. It didn't make a huge impression on me. You're a few episodes ahead of me. But yeah, some I people some people this, love yeah. this show. Mm. I remember that much. Speaking of shows that I love, next one is Alien Nation. Woo! That is a great show. I mean I, I love the movie. Mm-hmm. Movie is great, but the the TV show went so much more in depth, and it's a it's essentially a police procedural. Yeah, with aliens. It's good. It's a good show. Apparently, the opening credits have like some weird alien speak in it. Turns out that's like the creator or writer's children's names backwards. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Hey, gotta make it up somewhere. Did you ever watch this one, Rob? No, I, I saw the movie, but I, I've never. I think I was just like I did love it so much that I needed to see more of it. it this is one on the list. I would say you would probably enjoy. It yeah, was, I, it was that good. I, yeah, I think that if you have a chance, you should at least get the first few episodes because they are they are well worth it. Hmm. Yeah, 
All right. As you said, it's procedural, but like the aliens got a family, and it's um, it's good. Yeah. It's and good they, yeah, the just you're familiar with the movie, so you're familiar with the fact that they were slaves, bred to adapt, etc. Right, right, right. Well, it's George Francisco and his family, and they just add so much more depth to it. They go into their religion, go into their uh, the culture that they're supposed to have, but was robbed from them because they were enslaved. It's really, really good. It only went one season? Yes, it only lasted one season. The ratings on it were horrible, apparently. Like, here in my mind, I was thinking it went, like, six seasons. No, it it went, it went one season. It had, like, six follow-up movies or something. Uh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. So, on to Dr. Sam Beckett, <laughs> who finds himself leaping from time to time, putting right what once went wrong. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, it's... The one that puts Scott Bakula on the map. Still a great show. Oh, I love this show. Just There's no way around it. The writing on the show, all the topics they they took on, great stuff. And, you know, between Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell, you just could not get any better. I've actually shown my kids some of the episodes because we'll just fire it up on Netflix. And you can just pick one at random for the most part. I mean, there's, oh, a couple, yeah. there's a couple with some adult themes. Like there was one we were watching where there was a rape. And I'm like, whoa, get out of this. But um, but it's I mean there's some really good stuff in that show still to this day, and because it's you know you know time based time travel and you know you can watch a story about the fifties and it's you know it's fine it doesn't seem dated right so. yeah because it, the way it it's supposed to be a period piece every yep. single time were you a fan Rob the book to run was when I was at Cubert and we watched it then because we needed stuff to watch to, while we were working so I remember watching it. All those years, and then once we were done, I, I didn't get back to it. I never, I liked it, but I never like got super into it for whatever reason. And like I've seen Dean Stockwell at Comic Cons, mm-hmm. and I know mm-hmm. he's there because for Quantum Leap, because that's his his genre credit. But um, I've and always, Dune, and Dune. But I've always wanted to talk to him because he played the kid of Nick and Nora Charles in the Thin Man movie, the last Thin Man movie. He was the oh. child actor. And I'm a huge fan of those movies and a like, huge fan of William Powell and Myrna Loy. And I would love to talk to somebody that actually met them because they're, you know, that was 60 years ago. And, like, most of the people that ever knew them are, are, are gone. So I'd love to talk to them. But I just, I don't know, I never screw up the courage to do it for some reason. But I saw him at a Philly Comic Con. I was like, oh, that's the, that's, he was in the Thin Man movie. <laughs> well, you should go talk to him because I bet he'd be interested in talking about something like that. Because he yeah. he's sort of grumpy. Uh-oh, um, oh, boy. Oh but, really? But I think it, I think it's because he's sick of talking about Quantum Leap, and he's done so much other stuff. Right. You know that was a, a series where he was just like a goofy guy. You know, right, he's right. done so many other things, and so he seems like he's a little bit grumpy. However, I saw him uh, at Dragon Con, and Scott Bakula and him were together. And Scott, something about Scott brought out the best in Dean Stockwell, and he like became happy and friendly and chatty and stuff like that. And it was really exciting to see them on stage together. Just they still had a chemistry. And uh, it was it was real. This was like two or three years ago. It was really wonderful. Really enjoyed that. So I bet he would enjoy talking about something like that, Rob. Cool. Good to know. Yep. Now there's some more on not on the list. I'm going to throw out real quick. Okay. Um, a little show called Doctor Who. Just saying. I won't I won't dwell on it. But you know, 1963 <laughs> to 1989. Just saying. Um, then Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Now, to be fair, it was a miniseries, but there's other miniseries that have been on here before. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was a British-produced, really bad adaptation of, of, of the show, <laughs> I mean, of the book. 
but it's you just love it, like the, the crappy whale falling, and I mean, oh, it's it's. It, have you got any other one you ever watch it? No, I I have not. No, I've read the books. I've not seen yeah. any or heard any of the actual production. It's funny. It's it. I just love it. Anyway, uh, another one. Now, if you're going to put something like Probe on the list or Small <laughs> Wonder, how the hell is Knight Rider not on this list? Well, I got two others to go along with that. Okay, Airwolf uh, and Street Hawk. Ooh. Well, if you're going to put Airwolf, throw Blue Thunder in there, too. But, oh, yeah. Um, that's a good point. <laughs> now, I was more of a Blue Thunder guy myself, but still. Yeah, good point. Those are great ones. Yeah, when I was a kid, I would always picture Knight Rider, Airwolf, and Street Hawk teaming up. <laughs> Crisis on infinite souped-up vehicles. <laughs> Wow, that would have been amazing. Like, Kit would, like, do a jump. So you see all three of them in the air, you know, or something? Yeah. That would have been great. Um, the Real Ghostbusters, it was a cartoon, mm-hmm. but it was a damn good cartoon. Oh, yes. It, that, and the reason they had to call it The Real Ghostbusters <laughs> is because of the other cartoon of The Ghostbusters. Yep. Which was based on an old TV show. Starring the guys from F Troop. But we're clearly tailcoat writing of the movie. Like the, the, the cartoon was, at least. The cart- well, yeah, the cartoon was a filmation cartoon that they got the rights to the, the Larry Storch show. Yep. Which, but you see, I never knew that. I'm, why the hell do they have a gorilla in here? Right. Well, the old show had a gorilla. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It made no sense if you watched the movie and then, the, you know, and these guys were like, wait a minute, we own the copyright to this name. Let's do a gorilla. Let's refresh this. Yeah. It, was, it was terrible and it made no sense. And you're like, where's Bill Murray? I don't get it. You know, and uh, oh, it was bad. They had a souped up car and everything. But the real Ghostbusters, as you said, was a mm. great cartoon. Really yeah. well written. I mean, they they really built on the Ghostbuster mythology without being stupid. So. Right. Yeah. And what's interesting, just a little bit of trivia, is I I don't know the actor's name, but uh, <laughs> he did the voice of Garfield. Yep. On the cartoon, did the voice Lorenzo of music. Venkman. Lorenzo music. Yes. So he did the voice of Venkman on the Ghostbusters cartoon, but then when Garfield got a live action movie. Bill Murray did the voice of Garfield. That's right. Yeah, there's some there's some real irony in that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the Kennedy Lincoln thing. <laughs> uh, two more shows to mention: Greatest American Hero. Hell yes, I watched that. Sure. Yeah, that was great. That should have been on the list. And finally, Amazing Stories also should have been on the list. Yes. Yeah, I watched that too. Yep. Great shows. Great shows. Well, this has been a fun walk through uh, our our childhoods for us. I think everyone at home is probably asleep by now. Or turn it off. <laughs> But you can always listen to us at not, 1.5. Not just those at home. <laughs> you can listen to it at 1.5 speed, folks. We should have said that on the front, I suppose. Anyway. Uh, if you Gene, made this long, congratulations. Exactly. Gene, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find you? All right. Well, the easiest place to find me would be at thehammerstrikes.com. That would be my blog where it's every Thursday I do a post of whatever happens to be in my head at the moment. Uh, Usually geeky stuff, sometimes involving other things like my podcasts, which can all be found at twotruefreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys, for having me on. I, I really had a good time. We really appreciate you coming on the show. I've, I've wanted to get you on the show for a while. 
Um, the, the court order came up. All the charges have been dropped, so it was perfect timing to have you on. Well, some of them are still pending, but we won't go into that. Well, that's just against Rob, so I don't care. Um, Rob, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find our email address in Tumblr? Firewaterpodcast.comcast.net and fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. I think for the Tumblr this time, I'm just going to post um, sound clips of me doing themes to these shows. I think it's what all it's going to be this time, probably. But anyway. Enjoy yourself. Uh, f- <laughs> folks, you can find me at firestormfan.com. Uh, you can also find me on all the social medias under the same handle. Uh, you can find my good friend Rob, and again, I use that term loosely, uh, over at aquamanshrine.net as well as Facebook and Twitter under the same handle. And I guess that's it. And folks, uh, until next time, uh, fan the flame, ride the wave, and hope that uh, next time will be the leap home.